Welcome back to the Great Dad Podcast, everybody. You're here with Wawa Jamesy. And I'm Brandon Schwartz of the Great Dive Podcast. Welcome. It's good to have you listening. And we are back for another week of... Wait, no, no, no. No more of that crazy, intense, intense talk. We're going we're gonna to take it easy this week. We're going to go back to something low-key and chill. And tried and true and a favorite of our fans... And a favorite of mine, a subject that I really like, and I think you like, James. And a favorite of us. I think this is well. This is a fan favorite. We're gonna we're gonna get back to talking about some photography, everybody. We know you love the photography talks because you always seem to message us more questions when we start talking about photography stuff. And Brando, you know, you know, we both enjoy scuba diving. Well, I, I. I'd like to think so. <laughs> and when we have a podcast, when I when when we're not scuba diving, we're thinking about scuba diving. We're thinking about scuba diving. We're buying scuba diving equipment and merchandise. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things that I like doing when when we're not out diving is scouring the internet for interesting stories that I that I think that people would like to hear and talk about and stories that uh, are relevant for the time stories are that are relevant for for the dives people are out there doing stories that people may have never heard about that we can share with them and um i found a really cool one this is kind of the opposite of what we would normally talk about with with photography like these are some things you should constantly be doing these are some some things you should think about when you're diving no 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 we're going the other way today (laughs) one of the other ways if you think there's only two choices we show you the third which is kind of this i think that's right people this today is the 10 worst pieces of advice The worst thing. Well, this is according to, to this particular author. And this is a, a little weird, too, James, because normally I don't, you know, I'm not privy to what we're going to talk about for the most part. I mean, that's been our show's plot or scheme or whatever you want to call it, our, our MO. And uh, it's a, it was supposed to be a secret hidden mission. <laughs> exactly. But uh, I looked at this. Not anymore. And um, yeah, this particular author is, these are the 10 worst pieces of advice. I don't know. Did, did he say that he's ever received, or that he's he's heard people receive? Well, you know, he mentions that. You know, it's interesting. You know, you get a camera on your hands and you show up on a dive boat. Somebody's going to start giving you some advice. <laughs> hey, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> it's like it's like showing up on a dive boat. You know, wearing any type of equipment. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. pick. Pick your your your, your trendy configuration of equipment for 2024 here coming up. Somebody's going to have an opinion about it. Yeah. And uh, scuba divers, if I know scuba divers, like I've met scuba divers, it doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on, they're going to have an opinion that they have to tell you. Well, yeah. Yeah, it, it goes without saying to a certain degree that you're going to hear uh, a thing or two about how you're doing it wrong. You know, you... You're doing that wrong. You know that, right? You know, an interesting thing I, I noticed on that article is the author was a graduate of uh, Occidental University, where my daughter went. Yeah, and yeah. Marine, he was a marine science or marine biology major, as as she was when she uh, took off to Madagascar and did the study on the um, coral reefs off the coast of Madagascar. Well, shout out to uh, the author of this piece, Morgan Bennett-Smith, as well as to uh, your daughter, Elena. Yeah, Occidental Tigers, baby. Tigers. There's a couple of famous people from Occidental. My daughter, this guy. You know who else? uh, (laughs) You know, the man himself. Burt Lancaster. No, Barack Obama. Oh, he was was a tiger, huh? I I heard uh, he was always ready for the beer bong. Uh, he was ready for a bong, not necessarily a beer bong, but a bong. <laughs> it's college. What, what are those kids supposed to do? Exactly. Exactly. At least, uh, you know, that's the rumor. So I wasn't there. Neither was she. So, you know, speaking of speaking of university, you know, uh, Morgan says in this article that uh, one of the things of uh, advice that he got first 
when he uh, first got his uh, real, you know, quote unquote, real camera set up, was that uh, one of his teachers told him you'd be better off investing all that money that you just spent <laughs> into well. an index fund instead of wasting all that money on a giant, elaborate, big old whopping camera setup. Uh, I mean, there's there's a bit of truth to that, I would imagine. Don't you think? Uh, it's probably the, in hindsight, yes, it's probably like every decision I've ever made with every (laughs) dollar bill that's crossed my fingertips in my whole life. Yeah, Yeah. probably a little bit smarter, but think of the memories and that's what he says, you know, yeah, probably would have paid out a little bit better, but you know, I've got, you know, a decade of professional experience and thousands of licensed images and a fulfilling career because of that camera. He's got a great point, a point that I would definitely agree with. Everything can't be measured in the dollar sign. So, and especially when you are a marine biology major and you make your, or you intend to make your living underwater, you're going to spend a lot of time there and you're going to be sharing it with people. And obviously you're going to be writing papers and the the photos help and learning how to bring back a beautiful photo from underwater is is worthy in your job, right? It's part of your job, really. Yeah, take that, S&P 500. But uh, yeah, this is this is a fun little article. So uh, let's uh, let's dive into some underwater photography, Brando. Let's dive. What's our dive plan? What's our plan? First, you got to have a plan, James. I'll t- I'll, t- I'll tell you what my plan is. We're going to keep doing what we've been doing. But now, now that you mention that, because I want to give a shout out to the Great Dive Podcast listeners for twenty twenty three, because. We, in 2023, have already, here it is, the the 1st of December, we are already well over our listenership for 2022, which was our highest year to date. So we were climbing, and we are still climbing. Still climbing. Still climbing. Over 215,000 listeners here for uh, 2023. 2022, we we had uh, 203,017 total on our uh, uh, SoundCloud uh, stat numbers that have recently come in. We're already over that, Random. Wow. On our way, 2024, we got to figure out uh, if, if we can figure out who the actual person is when it happens. But we will cross our 1 million mark in early 2024. What are we going to do for this this person? We are going to take them diving. What if they're like on the other side of the planet? <laughs> One day we'll take them. We're going to ask them to send us a, <laughs> a YouTube clip of them diving. Okay. And we'll and pretend we'll, we were there with them. Vicariously, we'll dive via the YouTube clip. But yeah, uh, shout out listeners of the Great Dive Podcast. It's been totally awesome. Um, Brando, uh, of course, the United States of America, our number one listening audience but shout out to our mates down under <laughs> mate because they're coming in number two crikey and and another shout out to our friends across ye old pond and the uest and the uest of k's <laughs> it's got to be our accents james our fantastic british and australian accents have got to be pushing us over the edge there. Right, I, I think so. Uh, you notice Norway slipped off the charts <laughs> after that episode. How about we Ireland? Tried to do that. We, we tried to do that uh, Norway accent. Like, uh, <laughs> they all shut us off over there. The Germans hate <laughs> Nine of them hate us. <laughs> and uh, we, we can't uh, forget to mention our top three cities, Brando. It's, it's fun, like, over the years to, to watch how these cities have changed. Number one. Big shout out to our friends down in Columbus, Ohio. Wow, Columbus! Number one listening audience. Is that yeah, our co- friends at Columbus Scuba. It, and our Gilboa friends down Corey. at uh, and our, all of our friends down there at Gilboa Quarry. Shout out to the the uh, Columbus Scuba Crew and uh, Gilboa Quarry. Yeah. In addition to that, number two is Sydney, Australia, and coming in at number three is Brisbane. Australia. The Aussies must have got word of James's old budgie smuggler. <laughs> or the dingoes ate their babies 
Yeah, James's old budgie smuggler is pretty world renowned now. There's, I mean, if you you do a quick uh, James Mott internet search and look at the images, you'll find old Jamesy in the budgie smuggler. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, shout out to the boys down under. Hopefully, we will see you down under the water. <laughs> okay. Nice segue. Speaking of segues, Brando. Oh, shit. You know what, you know what time of year it is. <laughs> it's not smooth ball fall. It's not fresh ball spring. It's not sweaty ball summer. So we got to be getting into wet ball winter wet <laughs> we're shriveled up cold ball what's what's the deal yes it's wet ball winter santa <laughs> baby don't forget santa baby the season for a fresh cut is finally here with the sponsors of today's show everybody that's right manscaped the leaders in below the waist grooming for this wet ball winter have just launched their fifth that's right, Brando, fifth-generation lawnmower to help you avoid another silent night in the bedroom this year. <laughs> That's right, Brando, it's time you take care of your special snowflake with Manscaped and watch your South Pole shine like never before. <laughs> did, did I just hear that correctly? <laughs> Is there no shame on this show? <laughs> no, there's no shame. And... Uh, when you're going to take your condom catheter stuffer or your stocking stuffer, take good care of it by going to manscaped.com and using our code TGDP for 20% off and free shipping. Mrs. Claus will thank you, if you know what I mean. Brandon, what could be better than giving the gift of good hygiene and a few good laughs? Nothing. There's nothing better than that. Well, if you start with the lawnmower 5.0, maybe, <laughs> the crown jewel of the holidays, and dare I say the best ball trimmer of all time. I think, uh, I think it has to be. I mean, well, who's in contention? Who else is in contention? Well, here, look at, look at this. Here, let me, lift, here, here lift, <laughs> let me lift my leg up. Here, look at this. You see oh, this? Man. Look at this. No. no. The, the, that, this electric razor, it's got advanced skin-safe technology. It's been a lifesaver for me, and uh, it's known for reducing nicks and cuts on old Santa sack, too. Hey, everybody, get 20% <laughs> off and free shipping with the code TGDP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com, and use our code TGDP. Say ho, ho, ho to a well-groomed mistletoe with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Brando, one of the number one things that, uh, you know, being a newly minted camera nerd that i am it's been a couple of years now hasn't it i know i know but uh, you, you know still consider I, yourself a rookie I, I i still consider myself a a, a new guy uh, i think that's okay. one of my good traits is that i sure. always try to perceive my camera taking abilities from a from be a, humble be humble be humble mm-hmm. I, I get a good picture here and there I can be proud of, but I can be, I know I can be a little bit of a purist in my diving I, and my camera taking, I can be a little bit of a purist. That's maybe how I was taught from my mentors <laughs> and uh, the number one, um, the number one worst piece of advice that Morgan gives us is says you should be shooting in manual mode. That's the word number one worst piece of advice. He says, you know, when I read that, I, uh... I don't know if that's the worst piece of advice. I don't actually the the beauty of recommend some recommending someone shoot in manual mode is they learn how the camera works. That's my number one reason why I keep it. Right. And I'm like, listen, if I'm not smart enough to read my surroundings and, and get a picture, well, I, I need to get better. Yeah, I mean, it really teaches you what does what. What settings produce what results with your camera versus putting it in a, whether it's aperture priority or or shutter speed priority or whatever mode or auto on the ISO. Those things are nice little uh, tools to have for certain situations. Underwater, you know, things aren't moving super fast. Well, I shouldn't say that. You can have a situation, you know, you're trying to capture fast-moving sharks or f- some type of animal life, right? And the 
the conditions are changing rapidly as far as the sunlight is dappling or something to that effect. But even then, I, I say you can put it in manual. But hey, to each their own. I don't know if that's the worst piece of advice. I don't think it's bad advice at all to, to learn the camera in manual mode. I think in the long run, you're always going to benefit from getting more and more comfortable in manual as a professional. But I, I can get his point like, hey, uh, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get this photo job and I have to get a picture. If you uh, are in a tight situation, you, you time and traveling and the circumstances are, or you have a small window and you know I don't want to mess with uh, whatever parameter you, you want to set there on the camera. Yeah, I mean, sure, it makes sense to go ahead and put it in one of the modes. Yeah, when you you hit a new environment that you're not used to, but you definitely want to bring back some, some, some shots, yeah. it's going to be an easy way to get a shot. It's going to help you, yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. It doesn't necessarily guarantee an easy shot, but uh, definitely will. Morgan well, says, in underwater photography, we are most likely to benefit from modes other than M when in shallow water with plenty of available light. For example, shooting megafauna like whale sharks or sea turtles in shallow water does not necessarily benefit from the M mode. This is especially true if strobes are not being used, and in such environments, strobes are often not particularly useful. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, I can see, I can see his point. You got a lot of light to work with. On, you on got a lot hand, of ambient light. Yeah. yeah, I mean, on the other hand, if you're shooting into the light and you want your your subject is backlit, but you still want to be able to see details of your subject. You don't want just a silhouette. You're going to need a strobe. And in that case, you, I like to shoot manual with strobes. I like manual, period, but I'm a control freak. I know what you mean. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> That's why we've packed the car exactly the way you want it. Again. I know. Sound like my fan. My, my doubles, they go two inches from the driver's side <laughs> panel. But I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I like the manual mode myself. Like I say, it does teach you the effect of changing different parameters. Yeah, you, you're the one that talked me into it. You know, I was really, really hesitant early on just because I was afraid of it. Because, you know, early on when you don't know what you're doing, it's every pull of the shutter is just a black screen, black screen, yeah. black screen, black Worst screen. Worst case scenario, you've got a black screen. <laughs> or right, a blown out right. screen but right and then you, but you're down there you, you've and you're forced to have to figure out how do i get an image on this screen and and you really learn to appreciate that that shot so much more yeah you, you eventually dial it in like i say what's worst case scenario is you fail at it but fail failing you know is the, is the first step to learning right exactly that's exactly right and i as instructors i mean we both preach this it, I can't preach it enough. I can't scream it enough. It's like, don't come into the class, you know, especially when I taught to fun. Don't come in to the class thinking, you know, you watched a bunch of YouTube videos and you've got this all down and you're going to do perfect in the class. That's that's not the point of training. Yeah, that's not the point of the training. The point is to come here, dive like you dive. Let's make the mistakes so we can we can see where you are and work on ways to correct them if that's what you want to do. Yeah, yeah, and uh, work on you know, fixing something that may might even transcend scuba. As I say, scuba transcends all aspects of life, James. You know that. It, I know scuba that. Scuba is life. And when uh, life lessons are learned I in my house, I say, this is scuba diving. And, uh, of course, I, I get things thrown at me and <laughs> called a few cuss words, but it is scuba diving. Life is That's diving. Right. Put those dishes away like you're taking a picture of a whale shark. <laughs> Economy of motion. I say that you don't you don't walk over to the cabinet for each. You take take a group of them. This is scuba diving. We have economy of motion underwater. Look at the CO two you're building up. I know exactly. You're moving too fast. You're moving too fast. Slow, smooth movements. Breathe. Inhale. Exhale. Watch your buoyancy. Where's your team? Where's your team? S slow is fast. Fast is slow. <laughs> fast is slow. <laughs> no. <laughs> <sighs> Number two that Morgan gives us, Brando, and you know, they're, like I said, you know, when 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 you get that BFC, you know that that, yeah, that big BFC. fucking <laughs> you get that big fucking camera. 
I'm going to dive out. And then somebody shows up with a little old point and shoot. You know, there's a, there's a little bit of, you know, bravado. There's a little a, bit of there's a snicker. there. About, there's a snicker. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> nice. <laughs> Nice camera. That's that is, not, that's I not hope, true. I hope you get some nice little pictures there with your nice little <laughs> camera. No, no, I would disagree with that. I, I mean, we make fun, but there's... That's not a camera. That's <laughs> a camera. That's a camera, mate. But number two, he says, uh, one of the other mistakes is that you need a full-frame camera to be a serious underwater photographer. Exactly. That's a, that is a mistake. Yeah, and he says uh, this is an absolute classic in all types of photography, he says. Yeah, I mean, uh, especially look at some of the greats in photography. You don't need that that giant sensor. and Supposedly, the best camera you have is the one you have with you. And if it can take a oh, photo, yeah. more power to you. Yeah, and, and a lot of times, you know, one of those big full-frame cameras it can be almost too much and overwhelming for somebody and not to mention like to try to travel with it's a total pain in the ass well my you know my camera's full frame yours is not but we're very close to the same size camera right so it's not it's not so much a physical size it's more of the the image it produces a full frame does give you a little more latitude to work with usually it does give you more latitude to work with less light and um the quality of the image as far as the noise factor is usually uh, a lot better. He says full-frame cameras are often marketed at photographers who can pay top prices. And this extra expense undoubtedly is built into the stigma of other, often less expensive, sensors. And full-frame certainly has their advantages. They allow for some creative control that smaller sensors cannot match. But smaller sensors have their own advantages. And professional photographers working in certain niches of photography understand this. Absolutely, yeah. Sometimes that uh, APS-C sensor, that smaller sensor, is uh, works better with the particular lens you're working with. Um, there are little subtleties like that with uh, with sensor size, but getting a great picture isn't about necessarily having the greatest camera, right? Right. It's that person who's holding that camera. In many ways, there's a there's a whole part of photography, that art of photography. There's there's that creative side of photography. You can have a really top end, super expensive camera and still take crappy pictures. Yeah, and that's, you know, I've taken photography courses and where one of the assignments is they give you a, a cheap little shit camera and everybody has that shit camera and you have to go out and accomplish the photography assignment, whatever it may be, using certain colors or trying to get perspectives or whatever. But you find out that photography is not about the camera. The camera's a great tool. It's just like a, a carpenter, anything, anybody that uses a tool. It, Absolutely, it, right. It's the person using the tool more so than it is a tool. Now, does the tool help you? Hell yeah. When you've got a, a camera where it's difficult to make a mistake, that's a little bit easier. Exactly. Like you gotta you have to understand your tool. And and that's you know, when we go back to number one of these mistakes about the shooting and manual, manual. that's that's why I look back at it. it. It's like the manual helps you understand the tool a little bit better. How it works, yeah. Well, let me ask you this, James, because you came from the GoPro, and I would always tell you, you got to remember how the GoPro works. And this is back when you couldn't set any settings. It was just, you know, point and shoot, and you get what you get. But You you had to know what you were going to get. And if you know that, you can go, okay, all right, I I know I'm not going to be able to take this kind of picture as much as I'd like to, so I've got to get into position to allow the camera to do what it'll do and still get a cool enough, create enough of a shot that somebody's going to want to look at. Right. You can kind of fool it a little bit. And and knowing that it's going to adjust certain parameters that you have to work with uh, and what it adjusts first and what it adjusts last. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, having, like you said, a tool. You, You can have a hammer... Or you can get the super duper deluxo matic. It, <laughs> it hammers, it screws, it dices, it slices, <laughs> it chops, it hops. It, right? My you digital get, hammer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, number three. With AI. You forgot it's got AI. <laughs> <laughs> number three says 
you need a massive dome port to take good split shots. No, you don't need it. It's nice. It looks cooler. It aids in the in the shooting allegedly. But I think I think he's absolutely right. You don't need it. You can you can still get a split shot. And there are ways to fool the camera with that too. And then of course there are things you can do in post if you really want to get crazy and you've got an idea in your head of the the f- image you want to hang on the wall but it's very difficult to achieve it in one shot you know you can marry shots and post he says this is another topic we've written on in the last year uh he uh, by the way this uh article is over on housingcamera.com and their blog he says uh this is advice i hear all the time especially when people are trying to choose dome ports get the biggest dome you can if you want to take split shots, those classic over-unders. And the bigger that dome is, Randall, obviously the easier it is going to be to nail the shot than if you've just got a little, little space. I think that that's what that's what the, the, the claim is, right? But it's not that you can't take it because like, of two things of what you just said. Yeah. Well, and you got to also remember, with those giant domes, it's a lot of air in the front of your camera, you know, and let, until you weight that camera perfectly, you know, that camera wants to go up. So it becomes difficult to handle. Yeah, I mean, because you can take an over-under with a GoPro. You can. And they do make the dome ports for the Go, GoPro as well, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and even just with the just the classic GoPro, I mean, I I, I would take them. They're difficult. I mean, every, everything's got to be perfect, and you can't move at all. But then on the other hand of what you're saying is when you take that big, giant-ass piece of glass and you try to pull that up <laughs> and out of the water, that's, a heavy, that's heavy out of the water. It's not neutrally buoyant anymore. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the camera gets wieldy. Meaning it wields your ass around right, if, you, exactly. if you don't have it underwater where it's supposed to be, yeah. He says the key to getting nice, clean images with wave lines is understanding how the ocean is rising and falling around you and moving yourself and your camera in ways that don't fight against this movement. Definitely. I mean, understand your environment in every shot, well, in the dive period, but every shot. Try to understand your environment and work with it. Yeah, the more you sit there and play with it, eventually you can you, you time it. I mean, the really, you know, if you're going to try to come away with an over-under, it's all about timing. It's all about timing for, like, almost everything in photography. You know, whether you're doing, you know, I bring up uh, soccer, taking pictures of my boys playing soccer, my girls swimming, soccer. Understanding the environment, in this case, with sports, you have to understand the sport and how it's played and where are they going to be and go to get a a cool shot. I mean, you could, if you're in the wrong place for the whole game because you don't understand how the game works or how the swimming meet runs or you know, what you're going to encounter there, you're not, you're going to be wasting your time to a certain degree. And the same thing goes underwater. God damn it. There you go. Absolutely. <laughs> if you throw a little God damn it on the end, it really puts a little emphasis. And I think it's important though. He's got a, he's got a point. Know your environment and you can, you can work around it and, and get that shot that you're looking for to over under. And that's going to go and translate ultimately to, like you're saying, really all of the shots and all of the environments that you're that you're doing. You know, if you're uh, if you're swimming along a wall and you want to take a picture of a frogfish, but you're constantly looking out into blue water, <laughs> you're gonna, you're, you know, you're going to have a hard time oh, yeah. catching that shot that you're looking for. You know. Right, or or if you've got your camera buried into the reef, and you're really you know hoping to get a picture of the picture of the schooling rays, again, like you got to understand the dive site, you got to understand where you're at, you know. And if you're at the surface, you you can't fight with the environment. You got to learn it. You got to be part of it, and uh, you know let that let that over under kind of come to yeah, you. Yeah, you're starting to get all. Uh... New agey on me. Let the environment come to you. Be the water. <laughs> Be the water is what it's I'm trying to sad. tell you. Be like water, Brando. Brando, if there's one thing, one reason why people get into underwater photography, Chicks. it's and rich. to become well, rich. You only want to be rich for from, the from selling your okay. photos and being. Everything goes to. Well, well, duh. To yeah. that. Doesn't it? 
It's only it's the only reason I've <laughs> tried you. to get good that at anything the, I've I ever think done. We all share that, at least ninety nine percent of us. Um yeah, to be attractive to, to someone. The only money in photography is in shooting weddings. Is uh is the is the advice. I know a real good wedding photographer, you know, a world-class wedding photographer. Yeah, they can make excellent money. The rest of wedding photographers, they do okay, but it's not <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, pulling up in my fucking Bentley and taking a photo shoot of a wedding. Right. Those are underwater photographers. <laughs> exactly, because <laughs> we pull up in our Bentleys. <laughs> He says, sure, weddings are a major component of the overall photography industry. Plenty of photographers make good livings exclusively shooting weddings. It makes some sense. Capturing one of the most important days of your life is something you'll probably be willing to pay for. But there are so many other stories to tell. The world's a big place. A lot of things going on. You can tell, uh, you know, a good photographer can... I think that's with anything, though, James. Somebody who's good at anything will will do well. But photography is so well-known and so widely appealing to the world that if you're decent at it, you should be able to make a living if you you look hard enough. Yeah, and and if you are creative enough to to separate yourself. I, I think the easy answer is, if you're getting into photography, is shoot weddings because a lot of people are getting married. Uh, there's a lot of weddings. There's a lot. There's a need for a lot of photographers. Yeah. But uh, but what that also means is there's going to be a ton of photographers out there. You know, tr- also trying to get that job. So in my opinion, the smarter choice is to do the opposite of don't go where everybody's going for for work. Try to niche down to as like small and unique of a interesting craft as you can develop yourself. Yeah, I mean, make a name for yourself in, in, uh, in the way you set yourself apart. He says, as a marine biologist, I've found a niche telling stories of ocean conservation, threats, and optimism with my camera. And countless others have also carved out their own niches. Yeah, well, that seems to be a, a thing these days. But that's what you want to do with that camera, right? Is to Really, is to tell a story. Tell a story. Well, that's what the photo's all about. Picture's worth a thousand words, so... A really good picture is worth a thousand and one words. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a real, a really good picture is worth a thousand good words. <laughs> exactly, and a really good picture can, you know, has a thesaurus. Number five is a, a really interesting one, and it's one of the most common things you hear people talk about in photography in general. Um, you know, like you, you got to know where your light is, right? When you're when you're taking pictures. And his big mistake at number five is always shoot with the sun at your back. Now, on land, you get that because everything's going to be, you know, you're trying to take a picture of your friends at the at the big game or out on the beach or, uh, you know, somewhere, and the, the, the sun's behind them. Mm-hmm. You don't even see them. You see, you know, four silhouetted people. Unless you got a super powerful flash. Right. So you, you pay attention to where the sun is so that the sun is lighting them up rather than blinding out the camera. But there's a, there's a, there's a, and this makes sense underwater as well, using that ambient sunlight, you know, paying attention to where the sun's at. But there is the art of what you and I love shooting and, and capturing as of those God rays in the water. And that's the opposite of what you would typically think, right? And that's one example. Yeah, there's there's many. I mean, it's like all of these uh, always and never these absolutes. You know, they're with photography especially. The the only absolute is there are never any absolutes. There are always never any absolutes. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of downsides that too. Like uh, you're taking a group photo of people and you've got the sun at your back, but the sun is right in their face. And they're all, you know, you've got a dozen people squinting in the camera or some people with their eyes closed. Um, right. You, ha- you have that. And so there are ways around it and there are ways to uh, uh, take incredible photos with the, the sun g- going into the sun or with the sun off to the side, lighting just a, a side profile, different angles. So the biggest thing is learn how the camera works, learn the rules 
and then learn when to break them kind of thing, right? So it's there's no always and there's no never. That's the only absolute is. There are never any absolutes. Story of my life. Learn the rules and then learn how to break them. Learn to break them and get away with it. <laughs> and actually, when you learn to break them, that's when you you know, you know turn out that original piece of photography that really makes you happy. Well, it, it, that's what you know, using your brain is right. That's, that's what thinking is, is, is you, you know, it's like anything else like that we teach, you know, people get so hung up on perfect trim, perfect trim, perfect trim, you know, gotta be perfectly flat, perfectly horizontal. Yes, of course you do. But when you're rocketing to the surface out of control, because you let too much gas get into your suit, (laughs) right. And, uh, you're shooting now to the surface out of control, bent and embolized but you stayed in perfect trim the whole time well then you go well (laughs) maybe perfect trim wasn't the smartest thing to be in that time maybe i that is a time where i should have used my brain and broken the rule use the brain always use the brain i mean we're teaching just like in in photography just like in diving we're we're we cannot teach you every situation you're going to run into. It's crazy to think you can. So teach a philosophy. Right. Well, and that's the thing of like how I teach now. It's it's you, you, you the whole notion of doing a class over two three days. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. Definitely, you can make a difference in someone's diving career, but yeah. you're not giving them the most you can give them. He says shooting into the sun usually gives your images more intrigue and some context. Without the shadow and highlight issues, you may run into above water. This is particularly true if you're using strobes with which you can properly expose your foreground and create a nice sunball in the background. The old sunballs. Sunballs. Wonder if there's uh... trim up your sunballs. Use that. Uh, go to <laughs> manscape.com, everybody. Use the code <laughs> TGDP to trim up your sunballs. <laughs> Uh, Morgan says, my absolute favorite time to shoot underwater is late in the afternoon, shooting at the sun when you can capture angled rays of sunlight cutting through the water. These moments can produce pure magic underwater. Pure magic. Yeah, they can, uh, you know, like you say, God rays and the way the sun dapples through the waves gives you a whole lot of opportunities to really produce an incredible image that yeah you can get some really creative context to the shots and and really capture something that isn't just a fish underwater one of those wall hangers number six brando uh, of his uh, top 10 mistakes and worst pieces of advice uh, is that one battery and one memory card is enough one of anything is with diving one of tell me tell me what you have one of anything Jamesy, you ain't got one of anything. You're right. <laughs> one brain, that's it. I don't have one coffee mug. I don't have one favorite beer stein. <laughs> but you don't have one regulator. You don't have, you know, one set of fins. You don't have one dry suit even. I mean, if you're in diving, you know failures happen, and you know Things go bad. You know, Murphy is my always on my dive with me. Murphy is always on the trip with me. Murphy just seems to follow me around, that motherfucker. <laughs> and he's never helping. Right. He, he, he is never helping. He says, we spend so much money on camera gear. The ports, the arms, strobes, the housings, all that stuff. Why skimp on the two things that are sure to end your session of taking pictures underwater. It's ridiculous. I don't know many people who say this. That's the thing is I don't think I've ever met a photographer that said, yeah, one battery's enough. He says these days memory cards are getting ridiculously advanced. I now keep yeah. a two terabyte CF Express card in my camera with a 512 gig backup SD card as well. And I've still managed to run out of storage on a dive. He sounds like he's making up for inadequacies (laughs) elsewhere. (laughs) He says, as for batteries, I keep at least one full set charged on the boat during my dive. And I swap as necessary. You got that. You have to right? I mean, look at look at the the issues uh, we just had last week with uh, with my batteries fully charged up, fully charged. Boom. Cold water is is brutal on batteries. Yeah. Yeah. Number seven. Top 10 
worst pieces of advice for underwater photographers. You should be doing this like David Letterman. Number seven. <laughs> there we go. You can always fix it in post, Brando. Not always. There are never any alwayses. There are never any. There's nevers, always never. a never. <laughs> There's always a never, yeah. There is never an always. You can't always fix it in post. Was that a you can't not always fix it in post? You can't not. No, you can't always. I mean, post is great, and, and especially with the way software is developing. And uh, you, can, you can fix a lot of mistakes. And you can even make certain people and things disappear that you didn't want in the photos. But you can't fix everything. And the whole idea behind photography is you're out there doing it. You're getting that image. Let's try to get it right in the camera on the first shot or at least dial it in. Yeah, the, 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 the best ones of, of the shots that I've taken over these last couple of years are the ones that when they're finally up on the big screen, not on the little back of my camera, but I throw it up on the and, and I go, I, I don't have to do anything to this. Yeah, that's nice. That's nice when that happens. And that's, you know, that's what I'd like to see in, in photography contests or, you know, you get photographers together and go diving and do a little contest, but it has to come fresh out of the camera. You can't, you can't do anything to it other than bring it out of the camera. Right. Uh, that's now like that's, that's a photography. Yes, <laughs> it's an Italian photography. What's the matter for you? He says... A lot of underwater photographers transitioning to underwater video have developed the habit of shooting to edit, meaning intentionally over or underexposing in order to process in a certain way. In principle, he says, shooting to edit is always a good strategy, but when we get into editing workflow for video, a lot of the workflow we learn shooting raw photos goes out the window. All of that stuff takes a ton of time. Yeah. The more you got to F with it and post. If you're a photographer getting paid, that's your hourly wage going down to the pennies. Yeah, yeah. You know, especially you, know, you look on a lot of these dive trips, you know, there's a, you know, the resident uh, photographer, videographer, you know, shooting photos of the group, shooting video of the group. You know, they've got that stuff figured out down to a science where like what comes out of that video recording basically goes right into the final project right they're not gonna you know they're not gonna take a three minute video you know of the moray eel and and then go down and edit it down to five seconds they're just gonna pull that five second clip that they need and then move on to the next little critter yeah and that's what you you learn that from experience you know going and doing the videos and and doing the photography and, and knowing like okay do I want to work on this for three weeks or a day? Right, right. <laughs> and and you, you, when you do a, a big old dive trip, now that you've got your two terabyte <laughs> card uh, in, your, in your camera, uh, two terabytes sounds pretty awesome and amazing until you've got to edit all those pictures. And you go, holy shit, this thing holds 50 billion photos. That, that now I got to go through 50 billion pictures? Uh-huh. No, you got to wait for it to, to upload to your computer, and you're like, motherless son of a goat. That, that alone. Number eight, you should always use your strobes and or lights. Not always. Sometimes you don't need them, especially if the subject's too far away. You know, you got a, a giant shipwreck you're trying to get. Your strobes you're, are useless. You're, 30 feet away, yeah, your strobes are useless. Unless you, you're doing it, you know, you have a diver in the foreground or something. Unless, unless you're like, you know what I could really use in this photo? Some backscatter. How, how, can, <laughs> <laughs> how can I bring let me, that let me in? Let turn these strobes Without and video lights really on. really taking away from the beauty of the image. <laughs> but, yeah, if, uh, you know, there's times, and that was me early on. I got I got these fancy new strobes. Well, hell, yeah, I'm turning them on. I'm going to use them for out. every shot. But yeah, when you're you know thirty, forty feet off the the bow of the wreck, trying to capture this big wide angle shot, uh, there's nothing for those lights to even hit that are going to do any good for the photo, other than particles in the water. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there's another you know parameter you set for a photo contest: no strobes, no lights. Just go down and 
get photos. It'll make you use your brain and your camera. I love it. I, I like these. I like this uh, camera rules for uh, the TGDP underwater photography contest. Uh, Morgan says there are also more and more situations that he finds himself in these days when he's filming video in relatively shallow water where I have to resist the urge to use my video light and instead shoot with natural light. You can convey different feelings without any artificial light in the image, which is something that you might want to explore. Oh, absolutely. If you're trying to convey what it actually looks like, yeah. (laughs) He says, in general, when someone tries to tell you, you should always X, Y, Z, odds are this is going to be suspect advice. There you go. Absolutes. Like I say, the only absolute is never have any absolutes. You should never listen to somebody telling you to always do something. Unless you should do it, and then you should always think about not listening to the never. There you go. I mean, it, we can get pretty complicated with this with absolutes here, with the always and never, but the, uh, the whole thing is there's not a lot of always and nevers with photography. And diving. And life. I mean, is life like that? Diving is life. Photography is diving. And diving is photography. And life is photography and diving. By transitive property, they're all the same. Yes. (laughs) Meaning, you got to work on your buoyancy. (laughs) Number nine. Make sure you get a TTL-capable rig. You'll want it later. Mm. Number nine, that's one of his, number nine in his worst pieces of advice that he's gotten over the years. It's a little, you know, it's extra money for something you may never use and you don't need it. He says for some very specific uses, TTL is great. Blackwater diving, for example, can greatly benefit from the TTL exposure tools. But he says for most people in everyday situations, TTL is neither necessary nor advantageous. Brando, he says, I think many folks are scared off initially by the manual strobe use, but it's super quick to pick up and you'll get better and more reliable control of your strobes as well as a bit better of an understanding of the process. And now the, the, the TTL is, is the through that lens, the metering of how powerful the strobe is, right? Right. It, the camera, which will transmit through the housing to the strobes that are exterior of the camera and housing, the power level of the strobes to, to strobe. <laughs> so that's TTL. It's, a, it's just a, uh, a technology built into the housing of the camera that will do that. For now, you. to me, I think that sounds a lot like you know, shooting in automatic with the camera. It sounds so much easier. You know you're going to go down and click the shutter and you're going to get a, 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 by by definition, like a good photo, like by parameter definition, but you lose a little bit of the creativity. And the same thing with the TTL strobe, that through-the-lens metering is going to allow the strobe to put the right amount of light on but what it thinks is the right what, amount what, of light. There yeah. you go. What, so you lose, when you pick up the, the ease of the automatic features, you lose a lot of the creativity and your ability to do something different than what the camera wants to do, right? Right, exactly. Number 10. Number 10. <laughs> uh, the top 10 worst pieces of advice for underwater photographers, Brando, is fisheye lenses create weirdly distorted images. He says here, people are so afraid of fisheye lenses. I don't get it. I find myself trying to convince someone like once a week that actually you'll probably never realize there's any fisheye effect at all when you review your underwater images shot on one. Yeah, it depends on uh, what you're shooting, how close you are, and... um... And what type of fisheye or, you know, what, how, how wide that fisheye is. But a lot of times, if you want to pull off a certain shot, especially in low visibility, you need a fisheye because you got to so get, get close. So you can get close. Yeah. So you can get, I mean, the, I can get it where they, they can seem a bit overwhelming to people. But underwater, in my opinion, they're, they're, a, they're a savior. They are in our bad viz that we dive in quite a bit. People are always amazed, like, how did you get that? Because that is not what I was looking at underwater. Right. The dealing with taking pictures on land 
is you unless you're in like a dust storm you you don't have the 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 medium in between the, the subject and the lens to worry about but underwater even relatively clear water in order to to get that photo close enough that you can bring out the color bring out the resolution you've got to get so close which means that the closer and closer you get the wider and wider and wider that angle needs to be and that's what the fisheye lens it's you don't have that fisheye lens because you're underwater and you need to see like a a fish and you get that <laughs> you like big wild like. abstract like a weird view that's not what it's doing right unless you want to see what the fish sees now you know why they call it a fisheye because the fish need eyes like that to see this is uh my new walleye lens <laughs> He says, the secret to fish eyes underwater is two-part. One, there are few straight lines that human brains interpret underwater, yes. like we might above water. Mm-hmm. And he says, this means that any curvature from fisheye lenses goes mostly unnoticed. And two, fish eyes often focus very close and are extremely wide angle. Underwater being close is everything. Minimizing the amount of water and potential backscatter between you and the subject by using a very wide, close-focusing lens is a powerful tool in creating better images. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice thing to have for underwater photography. There you go. He says, don't fear the fisheye. Blue oyster cult. <laughs> Baby, don't, don't fear, fear the fisheye. Fish <laughs> well, there you go, everybody. Uh, top 10 pieces of bad advice that, this was kind of fun i, I liked uh, i liked this perspective it's a story you don't typically see usually it's like these are the 10 best tips for getting the best underwater pictures and um yeah shout out to morgan bennett smith um marine science uh grad over there at the occidental college in socal uh brando um this was a great little article by old morgan i i, I like this one so a uh, big shout out uh thank you for the the good work bud go tigers there you go. Brando, um, should we sign some logbooks? We, oui. yes. Brando, never let me borrow <laughs> this <laughs> wide-angle lens that you said I always have to use when I'm diving. Nice. Jamesy, don't fear the fish eye. All right, everybody, uh, we hope you get some fun dives in this week. Brandon won't be. He's going to be going through his old record collection looking for his Blue <laughs> Oyster Cult album. Blue uh, but hopefully you guys get some fun diving in, and we will talk to you next week. The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando.